Well, hello there, stranger. I'd like to thank you for choosing this very moment to tune in to the Raised by Whoops fake radio show. I'm Andrew, and my co-host is Glenn. He's not here because he's in Canada, and I'm not there because I'm in California. But we're bringing this thing to you out of the sheer love of the game. He brought you a story last week that I really enjoyed about swapping poutine for po'boys. I don't know if he told everybody in there what poutine was. If you don't know, it's a weird-ass meal. It's good. It's really good. It's super weird. French fries and gravy and cheese curds and shit. It's great. I know that's not exactly the uh, love letter that he wrote to the cuisine from where I come from down south. But, yeah, poutine's wild, man. That, that, that has nothing to do with why I'm here today. I got a story for you. It's about an encounter I had in New Mexico. It's a totally true story. And if at any point in this story I sound like a smart ass or like I'm making fun of somebody, I, I probably am both of those things, but I don't mean it in a mean-spirited way. I don't know. I was genuinely respectful to the person that you're going to hear about in this story. I was nice to them. And I hope they felt a little little human kindness out of me, even though things got a little weird. At the end of this episode, there's a song that I played just one time through and then recorded guitars on top of it. Hope you like it. I wrote it literally after leaving the building that I'm going to tell you about here in just a moment. If you're enjoying the show, tell somebody. Tell a friend. Uh, we keep saying you can write a review on anywhere, but I'm not sure that you can. I know that you can on iTunes. I actually tried to write a review on someone else's podcast uh, on Spotify, and I've not found a spot to do that. So if I've been asking you to do that and uh, you haven't, well, you're off the hook. But I know you can on iTunes. That is a verifiable thing. So yeah, do that if you want. Um, and you can send us an email. I know you can do that for sure rbwpod.com forward slash contact. You can send us an email, tell us what you think, or send in a story that you've written and you'd like for us to read or that you want to read, and we'll put it on the show. I hope you like this episode. Until next time, here you go. Salvation awaits. Somewhere in New Mexico, a sign caught my eye. Trudging east on Interstate 40, serenading my patient dog with freshly composed madness, I was on a mission. Several hundred miles earlier, hyper-caffeinated and phasing in and out of sync with common sense, a thought came to me. Keep an eye out for cool trinkets for the nephews and nieces. The sign was old with hand-drawn lettering, painstakingly painted by a professional sign maker. 
reminding me that an era of handcrafted things had, in fact, happened in my lifetime. Unlike most of the shameless roadside attractions in New Mexico where Native American artists sold, this place had just the one sign, helpfully placed right before the exit. The sign's advanced age wasn't its only eye-catching aspect. The colors matched my expectations as well. Deep blue, yellow, and red-orange. Primary colors blending easily like a 70s sunset scene, a well-worn t-shirt, or an old postcard of the desert. It promised hand-woven baskets, blankets, rugs, moccasins, and souvenirs. My long-suffering dog was hungry and eager for a walk in the high desert, so I pulled my van off the freeway and parked in front of the charming adobe brick building where the treasures were to be found. It was nearly dusk, and the owner was outside, closing shop for the day. I must have looked disappointed, but he told me not to worry about it, cordially inviting me into the store with a genuine and magnificent smile. He was in his late fifties, with thick and wavy salt-and-pepper hair, tan, sun-worn skin, and a dancer's posture. His brilliant white teeth reminded me of the toothpaste commercials of my youth, the ones which made me compulsively brush my own teeth between the Saturday morning cartoons. I love the feeling I get when I walk into a new space, especially one as filled to the brim with objects begging for my attention as his shop. A sense of awe for the patience and eye for diligently hanging and placing things just so is a skill I do not possess. The only undecorated surfaces in this building were above and below, floor and ceiling. Giant black and white photos of the owner's ancestors were on display behind the counter. Huge rugs and blankets hung from the walls, while dozens of shelves stood below, like proud and sturdy grandmothers, displaying colorful, handmade, and oddly shaped tchotchkes of astounding variety. The owner and I chatted about the Navajo weaving tradition and the significance of various shapes and patterns. I told him about a book I'd read recently, written decades earlier by my neighbor, now in her early 80s. I mentioned how I found her particularly interesting, a Jew from New York who made it her life's work to study and more deeply appreciate the history and artistry behind the ancient traditions of the Navajo. He then told me one of his Navajo ancestors had met and married a Jewish man, leaving him with a peculiar interest in studying the tribes of Isaac and Judah. Throughout our multifaceted, genial, and curious conversation, I browsed the bric-a-brac to find a handful of items, perfect for the kids I was on my way to see. I was enjoying our talk immensely, and even considered asking him if he might want to join me and my dog on a short walk. I brought my items to the counter, laying them out neatly with the prices facing up. He calculated my total on a handwritten receipt, carefully placing each item in a paper bag. I casually mentioned how pleased I was that his small business had survived the pandemic, as so many had not. This, it turns out, was a mistake. Within half a sentence, I realized I was in the company of a man with some severe, fringe, and unflappable opinions. Our chat quickly devolved from a freeform conversation to a bitter and impassioned monologue. He told me about having been arrested in his own store for refusing to comply with the state-mandated COVID restrictions for small businesses. Somehow, according to my host, 
The whole COVID scare was the result of a rather confusing satanic imperative concocted by a shameless cabal at the highest possible levels of power and enforced by countless mindless drones whose grinding gears propel the mass hallucination the uninitiated call reality. I've had these conversations before, quite often really, as I like engaging with people regardless of how wildly our views may differ. I may have some sort of knack for getting people to open up about their highly personal idiosyncrasies. A knack for which I'm grateful. I tried gently steering the conversation in another direction by asking him about his faith. Rather than gently correcting the discussion, my question caused a drastic overcorrection, like yanking a steering wheel hard into the left at top speed. His arrival at the gilded gates of Christianity sounded stressful. Our beloved shopkeeper had been living a life of sin and excess. To be honest, it sounded like a pretty good time to me. Of course, it all went to hell in a handbasket, and he nearly died from some awful infection. After many weeks in the hospital, on what he and the doctors believed was his deathbed, the 10,000-megawatt smile shopkeeper made an impassioned and desperate bargain with God. As you may have guessed, the bargain ended with him making an unexplained and miraculous recovery, which left his doctors clutching their clipboards in disbelief. In return, he promised his Redeemer he could be counted on to devote the remainder of his life to spreading the good word, bearing witness to the greatness of old God's number one son, Jesus. He made sure to point out, without Jesus in your life, hell and damnation are guaranteed. So I asked, stupidly, but what about your ancestors? Surely they weren't Christian. Do you really believe they're all in hell? His handsome face retained the same confident expression it held when he talked about Navajo rugs. You'd better believe they're in hell. They were heathens, every last one of them. I was a little shocked. Really? In hell? Oh yes, in hell, for eternity. He said it with such matter-of-fact self-assurance, a more credulous creature would have had no choice but to accept his word as bond. His teeth, as they flashed above his lips through animated talk of hellfire, shone with an impossible brilliance, shimmering like fish-belly angels from the bottom of a deep well. He continued, So what about you? Are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? There was no reason to hide it. I had to be honest with the guy. Well, I'm definitely not a Christian, I said. I was raised Catholic, but left the faith when I was young. As for whether or not God is real, I don't know. It feels pretty made up to me, but I'm open to a persuasive argument either way. I just haven't heard one yet, from the atheist or the faithful. So, you left your faith and you're an agnostic. Are your parents still Catholic? Uh, not my dad. He's dead. My mom is, though. He continued. Well, you should know. Catholics have it all wrong. He looked into my eyes, almost as if he was sad for me. If you two don't truly find Jesus and repent, you and your mom will be joining my ancestors in hell. Stupid fucking pandemic, I thought to myself. Never asking about that again. Fascinating is all that actually came out. It is fascinating, but your salvation is waiting for you right here, he said, tapping his finger on a large leather-bound Bible I somehow hadn't noticed until he touched it. Would you like to take this opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior? 
There must be something pathological in not wanting to insult a guy who just told me, with a sublime poise I can scarcely imagine, that my mom and I would be roasting in hell for eternity. Honestly, I wanted to know more about exactly what sort of personal services Jesus was willing to provide, but instead I declined his offer, saying flatly but without contempt or judgment, uh, absolutely not, but it is kind of you to offer. He was nonplussed, saying, Well, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. Why else would God have sent you here, just as I was closing up for the day, if not for your salvation? Knickknacks, I said, holding up and pointing to my small bag of gifts. Contraband dropped by God's guiding hand for scavenger heathens like me. Ask and ye shall receive, right? He flashed another twinkling grin my way as I continued. But hey, thanks for the chat. I mean it. Also, do you mind if I take my dog for a walk around the property? Sure thing, he said. Would you mind if I said a prayer for you? Not at all. And I meant that, too. I only say no to things when doing so will bring me more joy than whatever's on offer. It's a bad habit, but it makes me smile. But if someone wants to intercede on my behalf with their deity of choice, who am I to say no? What's your name, he asked. Andrew, what's yours? He told me and closed his eyes tightly, as if the light from his own teeth was finally getting to him. With that, he began to pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, please watch over your children, especially this young man, Andrew. His spirit is good, O oh Lord, but he has lost his way. Show him thine precious light, and let him not stray further from your path. Amen. We said our goodbyes. His distaste for the satanic origins of the COVID pandemic made shaking his hand even more exciting than it would have been were I simply a fan of his teeth. After my dog ate his dinner and took a dump in the parking lot, which, if you're curious, I did pick up and throw away, we were back on the road. Another thought bubbled through my recently damned brain, causing a prayer of my own to find its voice. I'll share it with you now. Oh, man. Oh, woman. Oh, God. If you're really real and not too busy, forgive me for being such a fool. Let the devil not be a scapegoat. And give the heroes in your book a flaw or two next time you write such beautiful fiction. Oh, man. Satan He's an old scapegoat For notions of godlessness So uncomfortable You just can't say the words Ships made of metal I float on the sea And the good Lord They say Give plenty of food To the birds and To the bees Boats that float Sink just as well Little bugs 
They get squashed up And birds fly They fly straight To hell Men gonna seek So high and low The question we find so uncomfortable You just can't say the words Nobody's home Nobody's home Yeah, we made it all up for the comfort Feeling right, but you're not alone You are not alone You are one of the billions who will never know What it means Darkness finds All God's perfect children The straw men They keep a watch over the fields We need someone to blame Tales they come Stories they go in hunger we believe the unbelievable or a taste of hope But you don't believe Stories you learn Just as You don't eat the plate Under your food It's just keeping place Jesus He's an old hero The stories Where godless men Can't win We need someone to blame Nobody's home Nobody Is home. Yeah, we made it all up for the comfort and feeling right, but you're not alone. You are not alone. You're one of the billions you'll never know. One of the billions who will never know what 
Thanks for tuning in to the Raised by Whoops fake radio show. This is Glenn. Both Andrew and I are grateful for your time and attention. If you enjoyed that story, we'd appreciate if you could tell your friends, family, or even a few strangers about the show. Additionally, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you have a short story you'd like us to tell, or even some music you'd like to share, you can reach out via the website, raisedbywhoops.com. We're glad to have you with us. Until next time, thanks, and take care.